What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 127 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hoffer, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to be previewing the three-game Sunday NFL slate on DraftKings Part 2 of Wild Card Weekend. We're going to be taking a look at slate specifics, go position by position, and talk through our favorite plays and strategies to implement this weekend. And of course, we will close out the show with some of our tournament takeaways. If you guys want to hear our thoughts on the Saturday three-game slate, if you haven't already, we have a dedicated podcast on that. It is already out live, available for free on this podcast feed right now. But before we get into these three Sunday games, Joey, can you tell the people how they can support the podcast? You can help support the DFS Dose by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. That's where we will tweet out all links to all of our content, whether that be the podcast that you're listening to right now, articles, anything that we do will be tweeted out on our Twitter. So make sure you are following us. Another way you can help support us is just by making sure you are subscribed to the podcast. So if you're a new listener listening to this, um, the subscribe button is right down below the title of the episode so make sure you are subscribed um you'll get the notifications every time we release a podcast and it helps us out a lot another way you can help support the dfs dose is by going over to your youtube app typing in the dfs dose in the search bar and subscribing to our youtube channel we're currently at 158 subscribers so if you would help us out over there get some more subscribers that'd be lit and then lastly you can join our free discord chat which is linked down below in the description free chat where we discuss dfs we'll be discussing this slate and the saturday slate in that chat talking about lineups talking about players all that good stuff so make sure you join that link down below in the description Absolutely. Now, let's start off by taking a a look at what Vegas is telling us for this three-game Sunday slate. Like on our Saturday slate, the first game of the Sunday slate is the standout game where we have Baltimore on the road at Tennessee. And it's the highest totaled game on the slate by a wide margin, 54 and a half, seven and a half points higher than the next closest game. And it's also the tightest spread on the slate. So it's going to be a high scoring, close game by Vegas projections. Baltimore has the highest implied team total on the slate at 29. In the afternoon, we've got New Orleans hosting Chicago. The Saints are massive favorites here. Nobody's giving the Bears a chance. 10 and a half points. Game total is 47 and the Saints have the second highest implied team total just below Baltimore at 28.75. I think that Vegas as well as the information that we have from the fantasy community would expect that Kamara and Michael Thomas are both going to be back for this game. Then finally, the late game Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Same total as the Saints game 47 and the big story with this game is that COVID is once again striking The Browns, the Steelers opened as three and a half point favorites. It's since shifted to a six point spread. The Browns are going to be without their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, in this game. Definitely not an optimal outlook for this game or the scoring environment that it will create. Joey, what stands out to you? on this slate yeah so when i look at this slate from a vegas perspective the the first thing that stands out to me is obviously the baltimore and tennessee game being the highest totaled game and i think it is the most interesting game from a dfs perspective too there's a lot of plays in this game which we'll definitely talk about 
Um, and, and I think that easily is the game that I want to target the most. But the other two games, um, relatively good totals in, in 47 for each. And it's just we we have some blowout risk in both of those games, I think, especially with the Browns losing their coach. I, I think that could hurt them a lot with Stefanski not being able to be there and call the plays. So definitely interesting from a Vegas perspective. And I, I think this slate is better in terms of real life games and is better for DFS purposes uh, rather than the Saturday slate. Yeah, I agree. And we can get into the positional breakdown here. And I think that you'll see that there are just a lot more options, especially at certain positions where you can go in different ways and it'll be actually viable, which I think is great for the tournaments that we have on DraftKings this week. At quarterback, Lamar Jackson is the standout, 7800 He's $1,200 more than the next closest quarterback, who is Ryan Tannehill, in that same game. So from a game perspective, how do you think the Baltimore Ravens perform here? There are, you know, thoughts that they you know, choke in the playoffs, as we've seen a couple years in a row here. Last year, it was to the same Tennessee team that surprisingly basically blew them out 28 to 12. So, you know, how do you think Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense responds here? And, you know, say you're making 10 lineups and, you know, how many of them are you playing Lamar Jackson in? Because I think he is the standout quarterback option on DraftKings. Yeah, he's definitely the uh, best quarterback play on the board this week. Um, I think it is a very similar situation to the Saturday slate, which Josh Allen where it's kind of like I don't really want to play any of these other guys besides Lamar Jackson and if I'm making 10 lineups I'm probably sticking them in eight out of 10 because I do also think that some of the quarterbacks below him have a a little bit more upside than the guys on the Saturday slate so Lamar Jackson definitely the preferred option for me I I think he's going to smash and just talking about what I expect the Ravens to do they are one of the hottest teams in the NFL coming into the postseason which is beneficial we've seen teams that get streaky at the end of the regular season perform well in the playoffs so I think I like the Ravens in this spot. I think they'll win the game, avenging last year's loss. With that being said, the Titans could easily win this game, but I I definitely expect the Ravens to win this game. Their defense is pretty solid. They have a great group of corners. They have a very good linebacking core and a very good defensive line. So they're coming to form at the right time. I like the Ravens a lot, and it's a good matchup going up against a Tennessee defense that has gotten obliterated by opposing quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. So definitely love the Ravens. Ryan Tannehill, like him, he he's fine. Other than that, just not much interest in a guy like Big Ben or Drew Brees who just have no upside. <laughs> I, I think Big Ben is is okay. He's 6,100, pretty cheap. He he, do, he does have ceiling games in his range of outcomes. Like uh, he just had 28 against Indianapolis, 28 and 32 in some other games this season. But God, quarterback is ugly for this weekend. Yeah, I think it's a little bit less ugly than the Saturday slate. Like I'm willing to at least consider playing these guys where on Saturday, I feel like it's Josh Allen or bust, but I could see Ryan Tannehill getting there, especially if the Ravens get up to an early lead, which I think is pretty plausible with how bad Tennessee's defense is. 
defenses and how hot their uh, the Baltimore offense is, like you said. So I think that could push Tannehill into a situation where he's airing it out to AJ Brown, Corey Davis, etc. And and that's interesting, especially at a twelve hundred dollar discount off of Lamar Jackson, strictly from a ceiling perspective. And Ben Roethlisberger is interesting as well with the potential of a Cleveland collapse here. Unfortunate for a franchise that you know has finally had a great season, got into the playoffs deservingly, and are just going to get obliterated by the Steelers here because of, you know, COVID and yeah, I don't know, but I could see Ben Roethlisberger having a strong game this week as well. I think Ben would be my favorite quarterback play uh not named Lamar Jackson. I, I think I think he does have some upside in this spot at home against a Cleveland defense that, you know, really isn't too great. They're not bad by any means but they're not great uh their secondary can get exposed we've seen it throughout the course of the season so I think I'd rather play him above a guy like Drew Brees who who just really has no upside at this point in his career or Baker tough matchup for him and, and Trubisky who is just straight trash and He's also going into New Orleans and trying to upset the Saints. So it's either Big Ben, Ryan Tannehill, or Lamar Jackson for me at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I'll have to play at least one trash biscuit, but I'll do it knowing that I'm burning my money effectively. Um, Mm -hmm. At at the running back position, I think the depth at running back on this slate is like the polar opposite of what we've got on the Saturday slate where there's like one begrudging Jonathan Taylor play in a semi-bad spot. You know, on this slate, we've got a ton of options, especially guys with high ceilings. Uh, primarily we've got the big dog King Henry fresh off of his hall of fame finish to the regular season, 2000 yards became the eighth player in NFL history to hit that benchmark. Now he's 9,400 highest priced player on the slate. And we've also got Alvin Kamara coming in with a slight discount, 8,500. Last time we saw Kamara outside of him being on some girl's Snapchat story, partying it up and catching COVID was when he was scoring six touchdowns against the Vikings on Christmas. He should be back in this game. Who is the high-priced running back of choice between these two guys for you? It's hard not to play Derrick Henry, but if Kamara's back, I I think I would probably prefer Kamara. You get a $700 discount, you get more upside in terms of receptions, which we know is more valuable on DraftKings, and he's also a very talented running back just like Derrick Henry. Uh, While it's hard to not play Henry, the Ravens team in general, like I just discussed, is just super hot right now. And I think this could be a spot where they could come in and and dominate the Titans, especially after getting embarrassed last year. So right now I I would lean Kamara if he's back, but who knows how the the COVID might affect him returning after what, like like a week off or whatever. It'll be about two weeks since he's had it uh but we don't really know how it affects players so maybe Kamara's a fade but I I think it's Kamara over Henry for me on DraftKings which is which is tough because I I love Derrick Henry but yeah and I mean if this game goes the way that Vegas expects it to where it's a really close game and the spread is within three and a half points I mean I think Henry can get there and I said he was 9400 he's actually 9200 it's a tough matchup but man if there's anybody who I just simply don't care about the matchup who I trust 
to have 150 yards and two touchdowns in his range going against a tough defense. It's Derrick Henry. So I like him a lot. And we'll see what the ownership projections come in at for him. I haven't seen them yet, so I don't know whether or not he's expected to be, you know, a guy who's going to be going under the radar. If he is, that'll make me like him even more and would set up really well for, you know, potential game flows that people aren't expecting, like Lamar Jackson having to pass and just sort of hitting a different type of ceiling along with Derrick Henry in the same lineup. So I think I personally prefer Derrick Henry in this spot. Alvin Kamara, certainly interesting. You can play both. The thing that really stands out to me on this slate is the second tier of running backs, which I honestly have more interest in than both of those guys. Because like you said, I I see that in Henry's range as well, where the Ravens just get up to a lead and he doesn't get there. So in specific lineups, I think it's going to make sense to just target these cheaper guys. We've got Nick Chubb, we've got David Montgomery, J.K. Dobbins, James Conner, Kareem Hunt. Out of the second tier of running backs, who stands out to you? Yeah, I think J.K. Dobbins is the guy for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, 6,600. He's got an increased workload over the last month or so. Um, really no role in the receiving game, which is, which is tough. But if he can get over 100 yards and a touchdown, which is very possible against this Tennessee run defense that has gotten obliterated by opposing running backs. I like J.K. Dobbins a lot, but you're just strictly relying on him to get it done on the ground game and the same goes for Nick Chubb. Don't mind him at all. He's a great player. You're getting a very good salary on him, 6700 Just kind of no upside in the passing game. I know he did have a five catch game against the Jets, but he's usually going to sit in that one to two catch range, but very talented guy. He could easily get there against the Steelers. So don't mind him at all. And those would probably be the two guys that I prefer. I really have no interest in James Conner, to be honest. I think he's just an absolute scrub. I'm mad at myself for drafting him in uh, redraft leagues. Just a terrible pick. He he just he's just trash, and that that's it. So I'm not playing James Conner. Cream Hunt is just strictly a large field tournament play for me. Probably wouldn't play him either. Just don't see the upside with Nick Chubb there. And I think the guy that's going to get overlooked is David Montgomery uh, going up against the Saints. And I think that's where you get the leverage in the running back pool is by playing David Montgomery over a guy like Nick Chubb, a guy like J.K. Dobbins, who I think will have more ownership than David Montgomery on this slate. Could be wrong about that. Maybe David Montgomery is one of the higher owned running backs, which could easily be possible because he's projecting well. Uh, But I think he's one of my favorite tournament plays on this slate. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, David Montgomery is a clear standout. This game is going to kick off on January 10th. The last time that David Montgomery had under 20 DraftKings points was uh, November 8th. So it's literally been two full months of just straight 20-point DraftKings performances out of David Montgomery. You know, if you're on team defense, doesn't matter. I think David Montgomery makes a lot of sense. Now, this is definitely the toughest uh, matchup that he's had since he played the Saints in week eight, I would say. Uh, And he only scored 12 and a half points, but he did have 20 one attempts as well as five targets. If you get that kind of workload, David Montgomery makes a lot of sense. And this is a guy who was almost 8K for a couple of weeks running now. Now he's down price below 7K. I think he makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense as a guy that you target and you fade the, the matchup narrative. He's probably my favorite tournament play on the board. And then in terms of a long shot that I think you can sort of get leverage on the field. I think it's Gus the Bus, who, I mean, this is a man who we touted on the very first season of this podcast almost as a bit. Um, but you know, he's really lived up to the expectations. This is definitely a man you can go to war with. He looks 
fire every time he's out there on the field. He's a great compliment to J.K. Dobbins, and he comes in over $2,000 cheaper on DK. He's 4400 to J.K. Dobbins, 6600 And I think that, you know, they're going to have very similar touches. So it's just a matter of who gets the touchdowns. And if you're playing in large field tournaments, um, I think Gus Edwards makes a lot of sense as a pivot, 4400 Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Probably a large uh, field tournament only play, like you said. Probably wouldn't go there in single entry or three max, but nonetheless, he is is a good pivot off of J.K. Dobbins, who is going to be owned this week. So don't mind him at all. And I, I don't think there's really anybody else to discuss in the running back pool, to be honest. Everybody else is trash. Yeah, um, I think that is fair. I mean, I, I do want to say that I don't hate James Conner as much as you do. I think that he definitely has two touchdowns that within his range. That boy is dog shit. He's dog shit. Yeah, but when, when is that He matter? sucks at football. Yo, you're a hater. He was good I'm, a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah, a couple years ago, three years ago in 2018. It's 2021, my guy. <laughs> like, all power to him. Like, you know, he, he's he's ha- he's had to face adversity in his life, and I, I respect him as a man for that. But that doesn't mean you're a good football player. Like, he sucks. It's just that simple. James Conner is not a good running back. I mean, he, he had, he's got a couple good games in fantasy this year. It's just been a while. Don't let the recency bias hold you down and don't let the spite hold you down because you drafted him way too much and way too highly in redraft this yeah. year. Yeah, third third round, third round ADP. That's where I drafted him. Yeah, see, I had no James Conner, so I don't, I. it's like, this is the first time I'm really considering him all year. So it seems legit to me. Uh, but. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> So at wide receiver this week, there really isn't a high end, right? The highest priced wide receiver is 7K flat and it's AJ Brown. And, you know, even he is a guy who you struggle to pay up for, I think, at that price as much of a big play threat as he is and a potential slate breaker. He only has one game all season where he got double digit targets and that was last week. I don't know if we expect that to happen again. He's usually a guy who gets there on efficiency over volume. So paying for him as the highest priced wide receiver receiver on a slate is a little, I don't know, I'm skeptical of that, but still 7k is an affordable price tag for a guy with his upside. And because there's essentially no value to be had at running back this slit uh, on this slate, and we're going to want to pay up for two, maybe even three running backs in some spots, we're going to have to find some value at wide receiver. So who do you like that you can use as a salary saver on this slate? Yeah, I think the guy that stands out to me is, it's kind of, kind of nasty, maybe, because of the bias against him, but Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown, fifty four hundred. So not not too bad. You're you're getting him at a good price tag, and he has scored six touchdowns in his last what seven games to end the season. So I, I like him a lot, and he he has slate breaking upside if him and Lamar connect on one or two of those deep balls. He has a steady target share in that Ravens offense. It's a great matchup for him if we're expecting a close game I think he could see seven to eight targets so I like him a lot um I would probably play him over Juju and and Chase Claypool to be honest which is kind of disgusting to say but it's 2021 can't can't really rule out anything at this point do you have a ownership projection on Hollywood I I don't have a I don't have an ownership projection right now but he he's projecting really well um in terms of fantasy points uh so like him a lot just to, just to get away from the value guy I mean the guy that we really have to talk about like AJ Brown's a great play 
Well, Michael Thomas yeah. is 6,300. Mm-hmm. 6,300, and he's 100% getting activated. Like, they, they put him on IR to let him get healthy so he could come back for the regular season. It's the final run of Drew Brees' career. Most likely, he's going to retire, and we all know the, the connection that him and Michael Thomas have. And if Kamara's out, God, I'm locking Michael Thomas in every lineup. No cap. Eesh, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm I'm there with you. At sixty three hundred, I don't know if we can trust him coming off of a regular what? season. You don't. We don't we know. Barely saw him play. No shot. I don't. I don't care if he didn't play the whole year. If he's back, ready to go, sixty three hundred. Yeah. For a top five wide receiver, no shot. I'm locking him in in every lineup. I mean, if you're playing cash games, then I think that he's a stone lock. I think you jam him in every lineup. If you're playing tournaments, I think you can get away from him, to be honest. I mean, I don't know if he's a better play than Deontay Johnson for $6,200. $100 less. Deontay Johnson gets 10 targets every single week, and and I think he has just as much upside for what I, I would expect to be lower ownership than Michael Thomas in this spot. I mean, I, I don't mind Deontay Johnson. I think he's a good play, and I would probably play both of them, to be honest. I, yeah. I think they're both great plays this week. I, I don't want to say that I don't like Michael Thomas. I know it's coming across that way. I just don't think that he is like a lock to just come in and smash. I mean, he hasn't really been that guy this season. And I think some of that comes down to, you know, the way that the quarterbacks have been in and out. But I don't know, man, there's beef. There's legit beef with him and Drew Brees, you know? <laughs> Drew Brees is Drew Brees is probably hitting the Saints group chat with some pretty flagrant political stuff right now. I don't Michael Thomas might not even be active in this game, who knows. <laughs> maybe maybe not. Um maybe they do have beef, I don't know. But all I know is if Michael Thomas is on the field, he's going to get targets, most likely double digit targets in a good spot against a Chicago pass defense that has gotten lit up over the last couple of weeks. They've been missing like two or three pieces in their secondary. So I, I think it's just too cheap of a price tag for a player of Michael Thomas's caliber. And we know the upside that he has with Drew Brees. And the Saints want to get Drew Brees another Super Bowl ring before he retires. So I expect them to go full tryhard mode. I mean, they're, they're obviously going to be trying really hard, but they're going to put it into an extra gear. So yeah, I don't, I don't think we have to talk about motivation this week, Joey. Yeah. That was last Michael Thomas is a smash play. (laughs) He is. He is. I mean, all, all bullshit aside, he's like probably the number one point per dollar play on the slate. Yeah. No cap. Yeah. So yeah. Agree with that. And I, I mean, the, the mid-range is just loaded, though. Like, I like Deontay Johnson. I like Jarvis Landry with the with the Browns down a couple of wide receivers. Again, Donovan Peoples-Jones missing practice and Kadero Hodge on the COVID list. So this is going to be a spot where it's, you know, Austin Hooper, Jarvis Landry, Rashad Higgins, and a really consolidated target share. I mean, I don't think the Browns are going to be able to win this game. Unfortunate for them as a, as a team and a franchise with the with the COVID striking them. But I, I don't see why they can't be productive on offense, especially if they're chasing points through a guy like Jarvis Landry, who just gets there every single week. Claypool, Juju, I mean, they're you could go there. But going back to sort of the value Corey Davis is a guy who stands out to me. 4,800, sub 5K. 
This is a guy who, I mean, he ran incredibly poorly last week, had 11 targets, finished with 8.9 DraftKings points, and he's flashed to ceiling at multiple points. It seemed like he got hot and people were super on him, and now that he's died down for a couple weeks in a row, I think he goes completely underlooked in this spot. Yeah, Corey Davis, I think, is a smash play this week, just way too cheap. He's projecting as the best point-per-dollar wide receiver right now, so he's a phenomenal play. Um, He's a good bring back if you're stacking Lamar and and one of his pass catchers he's a good option if you're stacking Tannehill with AJ Brown and and Corey Davis you can include in there so I think he's one of the best wide receiver plays on the board just from a point per dollar sense salary sense uh, game environment checks all the boxes is there anybody else that you want to hit on here for tournaments no I think just from a general tournament strategy I'm going to be staying away from the Saints wide receivers besides Michael Thomas really uncertain uh, behind Michael Thomas on the depth chart don't really have no interest in Sanders or Traquan Smith or whoever they're going to run out there have no interest in the Cleveland wide receivers not going to be playing any of them Baltimore wide receivers Hollywood is the only guy for me uh, I'll probably play one Allen Robinson we didn't really touch on him think he's a fine play it's a tough matchup but the Bears are what 10 point dogs so we could expect for them to be throwing a lot Allen Robinson should see 10 plus targets in this game and has touched on upside in that Bears offense so like him in tournaments Pittsburgh guys it's really Deontay Johnson for me uh, Juju could easily get there as well don't mind him so it's I guess it's one of those two guys but other than that I'm gonna have a really condensed wide receiver pool for this three game slate makes sense to me I think tight end on this slate is a good spot to spread your exposures because I think that there are a fair amount of guys on this slate that I want to target that have decent upside at different price points like in large fields I would want exposure to Jared Goff as leverage off of Kamara and Michael Thomas you know I would want exposure to Jimmy Graham in a revenge game you know, despite being complete dust, has shown the ability to pop off for two touchdown games here and there. And I think that this spot against his former team is a spot where we could see that as well. Of course, Mark Andrews is always a good play, always a viable piece of a Lamar Jackson stack. He's the highest priced tight end at 5,200. And Johnu Smith is a guy that I'm always willing to play, especially uh, in scripts where the Titans are expected to be passing. He's underpriced for his upside at 3,200. Yeah, I don't mind Johnu Smith at all. Um, I think Cole Komet is in play as well for 3k and I I think you're right I think you gotta just play a a lot of these tight ends because we do have some good tight end options Mark Andrews Jared Cook Austin Hooper uh so if I had to pick one it it would obviously be Mark Andrews but he's 5200 the most expensive tight end on the board but he'll pair well with Lamar Jackson in those Raven stacks so think he's my favorite and then uh, Austin Hooper would be my second favorite tight end as the low-owned Browns pass catching option to target and he he gets solid targets every single week and 3900 cheap price act for a tight end uh, don't mind Austin Hooper but other than that I, I like the the guys in this range Cole Komet Hooper Mark Andrews for me it's probably my top three yeah I think raw points I'm going Mark Andrews I think in terms of leverage value I'm going Jared Cook and I think just a, a straight long shot is Jimmy Graham in the revenge game narrative um so those are the, <laughs> uh, those are the three that I like I mean I, I always like John U. Smith as well maybe more than I should I don't know little bias there <laughs> I mean he's not bad he just needs a touchdown to get there and I think some of the other tight ends can get there without scoring and then just Jimmy Graham I'm not playing Jimmy Graham never so 
not in play for me yeah, <laughs> this I mean, week. I can't hate on that. I can't <laughs> hate on that. I'm just not playing Jimmy Graham at all. But yeah, I mean, I don't mind Jonu. I, I think he's a solid play. You're just kind of hoping that he scores a touchdown, but aren't you kind of hoping that with every tight end that you roster? I would say so. The only reason I think about Jimmy Graham is because sometimes on these small three-game or two-game slates, I try and think before the slate, like, what is the thing that would tilt me the most? And I think of, like, Jimmy Graham getting one-yard touchdowns <laughs> uh, when I play a bunch of David Montgomery. So I'm going to definitely have to just uh, do that for my own mental health. Hey, yeah, I mean, whatever works for you, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, let's close out the show with our tournament thoughts. We'll ask ourselves the three most important questions for small slate NFL uh, in DFS. Joey, who is your favorite low-owned long shot for the Sunday slate? Yeah, so my favorite tournament wide receiver play this week is Allen Robinson at 6,500. Talked about it. The Bears projected to be losing big in this game. Should see an abundance of targets. Him and Mitch have an established connection. And if A-Rob gets 13 targets, I don't care what cornerback is on him. He, he's going to get there. So if he gets you 100 yards and a touchdown in this spot, um, you're going to absolutely, absolutely need to have him to win a tournament. And you're getting a very good discount off of what his salary was to end the regular season. Like he ended up being a 7,700 wide receiver and he's 6,500 on this slate. Yeah, I think that makes some sense. I, it's not going to be a good uh, wide receiver cornerback matchup with Lattimore, but I think Lattimore should be just as afraid of Robinson as Robinson is of him. Like Robinson is truly an elite wide receiver. My favorite long shot is a guy that I already mentioned. It's Gus Edwards. I think that he's great leverage off of both Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins, who I'm expecting to both be pretty highly owned. And he is a guy who could definitely get two touchdowns. I think his upside is pretty comparable to J.K. Dobbins as they get very similar touches. Yeah, he might be a little less explosive, but all it takes is the two touchdowns, which could easily happen in a game where the Ravens have a 29-point total and are favored. So I think that Gus Edwards is a guy that I like a lot. And, you know, I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that, you know, we're going through a messy separation with Darius Slayton right now and sort of looking to some of the guys that used to bring us comfort. <laughs> nothing to do with it. Yeah, nothing to do with it at all. But I, li- I like Gus Edwards a lot in uh, large field stuff. He's probably going to be 5% owned yeah. or less, I think. People just don't respect the man. I'll never, I'll never understand it. They don't know. They don't. That's why. They don't. They haven't been listening since day one like they should have been. And just some super deep, deep shots that I like are the non-Hollywood Brown wide receivers for the Ravens as just way to get different with Lamar Jackson stacks. Willie Sneed is uh, not looking good for this game. That's something to keep an eye on. But if he's out, Devin DuVernay will probably one for one sub in the slot and run all of Willie Sneed's routes. And then you could take a shot on maybe Des Bryant throwing up the X. Both of those guys are men priced so just uh some really super low on guys for large field tournaments joey how do you plan to get leverage on the field this week i th- i think the way that i'm gonna get leverage is just by going heavy on one game just overexposing myself to one game i should say and that's the ravens and titans game now obviously you gotta you gotta find ways to get different like you said you could play a wide receiver on the ravens not named hollywood or Mark Andrews at the tight end position, but I'm going to solely focus stacking this game on tournaments. I think it has the highest shootout potential. I think it has the best fantasy upside. 
So that that's how I plan to get leverage and and make some lower own plays in the rest of my lineup because obviously not going to use every spot in this game. So mm-hmm. for me, the way that I plan to get leverage, it, it's simple. I'm going to sit down before I build my lineups. I'm going to meditate, and my mantra is going to be defense doesn't matter because you're going to have to convince yourself on this slate. If you find yourself in a situation where you're falling into patterns that a lot of people are falling into where you're not going to play David Montgomery against an elite Saints run defense, I think you're going to be in a tough situation. Same thing with Nick Chubb going against a Steelers run defense that's really tough. Like These aren't going to be players that you feel necessarily comfortable about in their situations. You know, uh, Tennessee passing game, same situation. Are you going to want to play Ryan Tannehill against the Ravens secondary with AJ Brown and Corey Davis? Like you're not going to want to, it's not going to feel good. Derrick Henry against the Ravens. I'm just going to put all of that to the side and build my lineups like it doesn't matter. And that's how I'm going to get leverage on the field. Just, just completely fading any defense versus position stats and building these lineups for upside. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the way to go. And I, I, I like the bears. Uh, skill position players, A-Rob, David Montgomery. I think they're going to be good leverage off of the chalkier guys around them, Mm -hmm. uh, like Michael Thomas, Kamara, Henry, Nick Chubb. And it goes into your whole defense doesn't matter spiel because I I, I think people are going to be scared off the Bears guys because of the perceived tough matchup, which it, it might be, but they get so much volume that they could get there either way. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that It's going to be tough if you're too focused on defense to justify playing some of the Tennessee pass catchers, and it might be hard to win without one of A.J. Brown or Corey Davis if one of those guys snaps, and I think it's very likely they do in the game scripts that we're expecting Mm -hmm. this weekend. So uh, that is my, my plan for leverage. Joey, final question this week for our tournament thoughts. Who is going to be the Millie making stack? Yeah, so I I think the Millie maker winning stack is going to be either naked Lamar Jackson or you could stack Lamar Jackson with one of his pass catchers and only one. I want to do a double stack with Lamar just because the Ravens love to run the ball a lot. I think my preferred option is naked Lamar Jackson and you stack uh, some of the Titans skill position players, whether that be Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis. I just think that game stack in general is going to be the winner of the Millie Maker this weekend. I love that game a lot, to be honest. I love that game too. Like we talked about at the beginning, seven and a half point higher total than the next closest. I think that you can get pretty contrarian just by playing Ryan Tannehill instead of Lamar Jackson and getting a decent amount of exposure to the scoring upside in that game. Obviously, Lamar has the upside of hitting the 100-yard bonus in this spot, which increases his chances. But I think that the Ravens win this game. And I think that we see the Tennessee Titans playing from behind. And, you know, we could see a situation where Tannehill's just slinging it downfield to A.J. Brown, a true grown-ass man with Corey Davis, Johnny Smith as well. So I could see myself playing a lineup that's like a double Tannehill stack with Gus Edwards as a low-owned Ravens bring back, hoping for two touchdowns outside of the chalk there on the Ravens side of the ball. So I'm going to be going with a Tennessee stack for the Millie Maker winner. Yeah, I think it's either Tennessee or Baltimore, to be honest. So I like that too. 
Well, that is going to be it for the second of our two wildcard weekend breakdowns. If you missed the first podcast, make sure you check it out in this podcast feed where we go over all three Saturday games. You know, rate and review the podcast on whatever podcast platform you use. Helps us out a lot. Helps us reach new listeners. Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are there. If you want to support the DFS Dose, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and join our free Discord. Discord chat where we will be talking about these games all weekend. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose as well as our personal Twitters. I am at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Carrion DFS. All right, guys. Thank you for listening and we will be back next week.